History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday, a busy day in Washington, D.C., for sure. And we've got a great show for you today. I'm really excited. We've got some great guests. I want to stay on the subject of Israel for a day. We can't underestimate how traumatic, how, not only for Israel, but to all of humanity that October 7th, 2023 was to the entire world, and how preventable it was, how complicit the United States under the Biden administration has been in creating the environment that led to Hamas attacking Israel, the Houthis attacking the Red Sea, other rebels hitting American forces in the Middle East more than 150 times. All of this stems from the fact that we're in a proxy war with Iran. The West is in the proxy war with Iran, and there is no appreciation for that on uh, the Biden administration side. In fact, many people in Biden's administration say there is no proxy war, even though that doesn't seem to be really the case. And so I'm real concerned that most Americans aren't getting a full picture from the mainstream media and the spin jobs that are coming from the Biden administration. So we try to keep zeroing in on it. We want to introduce you to what happens in the region, what is really going on, what Iran's real complicity is in working with all of these proxies to attack Israel, American and Western interests. It isn't just our ships that are getting hit in the Red Sea now, it's many others. And Shell Oil Company announced it's going to stop shipping oil through the Red Sea, which is going to disrupt oil markets. And there could be other energy companies that do the same or talking about it right now. That's a real problem. And so we really want to avoid those sort of dynamics. And the Biden administration doesn't have a plan to address it, as you've heard from so many of the great guests that we have on the show every day. It doesn't really have a proper assessment that it's sharing with the American people. When you give billions of dollars to Iran through eased oil sales, easing these sanctions that Donald Trump had on Iran, when you free up things like the $6 billion that they were trying to free up from the frozen assets, when you look the other way on business deals with some of our frenemies like China and Russia, you end up with a really significant 
and irreversible, or I should say hard to reverse dynamic where Iran is emboldened and now enriched. As, as President Trump said in this podcast last week, we made Iran rich again for no good reason. They're the number one state sponsor of terrorism. They've tried to assassinate presidents and national security advisors and secretary of states and Iranian expats on our soil. They have funded the Houthis and many other terrorist organizations and Hamas. And the effort to attack Israel heinously, the innocent civilians who were killed and tortured that day, taken hostage that day, was really an effort to stop the United States from achieving a peace plan with Saudi Arabia and Israel that was going to normalize relationships and really change the balance of power in the region. That's what Iran did. And that Iran is the same Iran that continues to get concessions and money and free passes for bad behavior from the Biden administration. So today, we're going to bring on the former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren. He's been on the show many times. He is, I think, one of the most sage and important voices to make sure you understand what's going on. He knows what's going on. He doesn't color it one way or the other. He's critical of Israel. He tells us where Israel stands, even if it's not popular to say so. He also explains the role that his own intelligence network shows Iran is paying in this. So we're going to kick things off with Ambassador Oren. That's going to be a great conversation. In the second part of the interview, we're going to bring in a survivor from the October 7th attacks in Israel. She was at the concert. She was awakening in the sunshine of the morning, thinking that she was about to celebrate with some more music. Suddenly rockets were overhead. Suddenly paragliders were coming in. And suddenly her life was in jeopardy. And she made a split decision. Some people ran and hide. Others decided to run. And she kept running for four miles. She ran nonstop until a good Samaritan in a pickup truck picked her up and moved her along, and she got to another place. I, I think that's so extraordinary, uh, her story. And when you hear her talk, you're going to hear very clearly that even though she was traumatized by this day, even though it will never be the same for her, she doesn't have a wish of hate for Palestinians. She said hating Hamas, which she does hate, isn't the equivalent of hating Palestinians. You can separate the two, and she does in her own mind. And I think it's so powerful to hear her talk that way. And she has a very specific wish for what Gaza looks like after Hamas is eradicated. I really think you should listen to it all. She was, for me as a journalist, there are very few interviews that go, wow, I was changed by the experience. Natalie Sandaji changed my view on things. I was changed as a journalist listening to her. I think Amanda said the same thing. So we're going to have two blocks of that. So first block with Michael Oren, former Israeli ambassador to the United States, and then two consecutive blocks talking with Natalie Sandaji, a survivor of the October 7th attacks. This young woman does something that a million words I could write couldn't do. Listening to her, hearing her, I think will change your mind for the better. I hope you I hope you agree. It's one of my favorite segments of the new year thus far, and I'm, I'm hoping you find it the same. All right, so before we get to that, you know that we have such amazing partners here at Just the News, at John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, and of course, Just the News, No Noise, a television show that I share with the amazing Amanda Head on Real America's Voice. And one of our newest partners is one of my oldest friends, Hillsdale College. I spoke there a couple of years ago. I've done a lot of fun things with them over the last two decades. I bet you didn't know this, but my good friend Victor Davis Hansen, who has a podcast right on the same network, 
VDH, as I like to call him, he has his own online courses at Hillsdale College. That's right. You can take an online course with Victor Davis Hanson. Just think about that. He is a historian of epic proportions. He is a learned thought leader. He is one of the wisest men I've ever met. And he's so enjoyable to listen to and learn from. And what I'd like you to do, because it's free, why not do it? It's free. I recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline course with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight lecture course, you're going to get eight sessions with Victor Davis Hanson. VDH explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosions of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders. We hear a lot about that, right? The growth of an unaccountable administrative state and government and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced. You can go at whatever pace you want, whenever it's convenient for you. But listen, spending some time with Victor Davis Hanson is a treat as someone who has done it for years. So why not start your free course for free course called American Citizenship and its Decline with Victor Davis Hanson. Go there today, right now, hillsdale.edu slash justnews, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. So all you got to do to get started, it's free, it's easy, and you're supporting two great, amazing causes. Victor Davis Hanson, one of the greatest historians and thought leaders of our time, and Hillsdale College, one of the colleges that do their students right. One more time, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Go, go let them know that John Solomon sent you. All right, uh, quick commercial break. When we come back, Ambassador Michael Oren, right after these messages. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice 
choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As we described at the top of the show, a lot more activity in the Middle East. Uh, this time, Iran launching some attacks into Pakistan. We've got the Red Sea, uh, an attack on a U.S. flagship yesterday there. Iran is agitating all across the region. The United States response to a lot of people seems inadequate. Our next guest, he lives in the region. He has been one of the most important players between the United States and our greatest ally in the region, Israel, for a long time. Joining us right now. Uh, former ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren. Mr. Ambassador, good to have you back on the show. Always a pleasure and an honor, John. Well, we love having you on because we get so many straight truths that we don't get in the media a lot of times. I want to just ask about it. When we step back and we look at all that's transpired in the last 120 days, uh, October 7th, the um, and now you know the efforts behind the scenes of the Biden administration to maybe handcuff Israel, the, middle, the U.S. role in the Middle East, the U.S., Policy positions in the Middle East seems like a really muddled soup bowl right now. Everyone seems confused about it. Am I, am I being unfair to the U.S. or no? I, I tell you, I'm confused. Yeah. I've been confused for a long time. It, it, it's a lot of different voices, a lot of different voices. Listen, on the one hand, the administration is performing two essential services uh, for the state of Israel. It is casting vetoes in the Security Council as the council tries to impose a ceasefire. And a ceasefire means Hamas wins. It means Iran wins. That's good. Uh, President Biden himself is continuing to uh, supply Israel with vitam, vital ammunition as we row, we run slow, run low on some of this ammunition, tank ammunition, artillery ammunition, crucial for the war effort. On the other hand, the administration uh, criticizing us nonstop for, quote unquote, killing too many Palestinians, which begs the question, you know, how many is too many um, for not uh, committing to having a two state solution. And the day after this war, who knows when it ends, that includes the, the immensely corrupt and unpopular Palestinian Authority. Nobody understands that. Criticism, cryptic criticism. And then not standing up to Iran. I mean, Iran has uh, launched something of the order of 135 attacks through its proxies against American bases in Iraq and Syria, through, its, uh, through the pro-Iranian Houthi rebels in Yemen. It has closed a vital waterway to international shipping. Um, and the American response has been sort of tepid at most, and um, nobody in this administration is willing to say the I-word. Actually willing to run behind the massive violence in the Middle East, which if you're an Iranian listening to this, you say, okay, well, we're getting away with it. We might as well escalate. And if you're a Hamas official, you say to yourself, well, America's criticizing Israel for killing too many Palestinians. Let's dig in our heels. Let Israel, you know, kill more of the humans we are using as human shields. And it will cause a rupture in U.S. relations, and eventually we'll get the ceasefire that will enable us to win. Um, this is the way America's position is perceived in this region, and for Israel, I should say, and this is an understatement, a source of concern. Yeah, no, for all the right reasons, it, it is. Um, 
The understanding Iran's intentions right now uh, is, I think, challenging for the American media because we get different accounts from different media sources. The administration is sometimes unclear. Uh, it does seem that Iran is agitating in every way possible, and it feels like they're trying to destabilize the region. What What's the best read you have right now of what, what Iran is doing and why it's doing it? Iran, you know, it's hard for people in the West to wrap their hands around this, but Iran may want two things, you know, opposing things at the same time. It may want to avoid a conflict with the United States, but it also may want the conflict with the United States. You know, again, this, this has happened again and again in the Middle East. It's not just with Iran. It's how the Six-Day War broke out. And Nasser didn't want a war, but because nobody reacted to his aggression, he was under pressure to commit more aggression. And this is what's happening with Iran. You can commit aggression against American bases in Iraq and Syria. You can close a, an essential waterway. And even those people who are against uh, escalating are going to be under pressure for those who want an escalating. They're going to say, hey, look, Americans are not reacting. Let's keep going. Let's ratchet it up. And this is precisely what's happening. And somehow people don't seem to understand this in Washington, that you want to de-escalate. The way to escalate is not to broadcast fear, but to instill fear on the other side. Simple. Yeah, it is remarkable. Sort of like the bad child acting up because it's not getting enough attention. But the, the way you respond to that will dictate what's the future of the behavior is. And right now, the response seems so muddled, it's unclear. Um, <clears throat> there is a lot of pressure behind the scenes. And I think President Biden said it out loud when a protester confronted him last week about when you're going to ratchet back Israel. And he's like, we're going to try to get you to on. We're doing behind the scenes quietly. I found it to be a very odd moment for an American president to make that comment like that. You know, we don't talk about our behind the scenes negotiations, but what does it look like on the backside? What sort of pressure is uh, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu getting? And uh, is he bending to any of it or is he holding firm? Well, there's pressure, uh, especially all to it's a strange pressure. Because um, if you listen to some of the leaks that have been made to the, to the Washington press corps, the administration um, on one hand is saying we're moving uh, too slow in our operation against Hamas. But on the other hand, publicly, they're saying we're moving too fast and they want us to slow it down. <laughs> Believe it, talk about muddled. That is muddled. <laughs> With regard to the northern front, they say they don't want us to open up a northern front. There's even been leaks to the, fa to the fact again and again in the press, including tonight, basically accusing Israel of escalating the Northern Front, which we find absolutely <laughs> mind-boggling because we've been under constant fire from Hezbollah, totally unprovoked uh, from day one. And the entire northern part of the country is uninhabited, uninhabited. And in most days, uh, Hezbollah outdoes Hamas in the amount of rockets it fires into our territory. I, I have no idea, honestly no idea what these people want us to do, what we think we should be doing. And so the tremendous pressure on Israel not to open up a second front we ultimately may have no choice because the entire northern part of the, part of the country, as I mentioned, is, is unpopulated. Uh, people will not go back to their homes uh, knowing that there's a terrorist organization outside the border that is 15 times at least the size of Hamas. It's just unbelievable. It's actually mind boggling. So we got the two fronts of the war. One is pretty inactive right now against Hamas in Gaza. Give us an update. It seems like the Israelis are making some pretty good progress. It's tough warfare because it's urban warfare, but it seems as though Hamas is starting to reel. Is that a, a fair assessment? It's difficult to assess. You know, we thought so. And today, Hamas fired 50 rockets at the south. I figured, how can they still have rockets, really? And yet they do. We killed about 9,000 other terrorists, they got 21,000 left underground. 
We thought they had about 200 miles of tunnels beneath Gaza. Turns out they have as many as 450 miles. Think about this, 450 miles of tunnels, some of them going down seven stories, hundreds of feet with, with, uh, with elevators. So this is a, a massive military um, challenge and would be in any circumstances, not the least of which is you've got you know, something close to two million civilians flying around. And the world is condemning us when we ask the civilians, civilians to get out of the battle area and then condemning us if the civilians get caught in the battle area. And so we really, in terms of our public diplomacy, we can't win. We cannot win. Um, and our, you know, in Israel, you know, the criticism outside of Israel is we're using too much power. The criticism in Israel is that we're not using enough power, that we're losing soldiers in an effort to reduce Palestinian casualties. And that's very unpopular in the state of Israel. Yeah, it is. I've seen some of the coverage lately, and you can see that pressure. Even while this is going on, I assume that there are efforts behind the scenes to begin to craft what a post-Hamas Gaza would look like. Is there anything that you see that's encouraging in terms of how this plays out? Well, the United States has put a tremendous amount of pressure on us to talk about the day after scenario. Uh, I've been talking about it and writing about it for several weeks now. I think that on the Israeli side, there are several principles that are agreed upon. Uh, first and foremost, demilitarization. No more rockets, no more rockets uh, factories, no more arsenals. Um, this is, of course, after the destruction uh, of Hamas. Uh, internationalization, to a certain degree, of the, of the Gaza situation. It won't be just an Israeli problem or an Israeli-Egyptian problem, but an international problem, which, in fact, it is. Um, reconstruction of Gaza, water, electricity, sewage. And the, the, the biggest challenge will be finding a, an indigenous Palestinian leadership that's actually committed to Gaza. It's committed to its children, grandchildren, and not committing to ch killing our, our children and grandchildren and willing to live peacefully with us. That's a hard one. In the interim, Israel will have to maintain an extensive amount of, uh, of security control over the Gaza Strip. Yeah, it's a balancing act, and yet it's so essential that the mix get right. Yesterday or a couple of days ago, we did a special on Martin Luther King and his unique commitment to Israel. And one of the fascinating things that he was saying back during the 67 war was that one of the untold stories in the media was that in many ways, Arabs were trapping their own people in poverty, trapping their own people into a cycle of failure so that the top of the food chain could get rich and the masses could stay poor. He felt really strongly about that. And I think a lot of people look at Hamas now. We've learned, educate, been educated a lot more since October 7th in the American public about it. And they see that cycle that Gazans are really hostages, not necessarily to Israel at all. They're hostages to the people that they've put in control. First it was PLO, now it's Hamas. Do you think that the world community is beginning to understand that Gazan victims are really victims of their own leadership of Hamas? Um, I would hope so, but I'm not confident that that's the case. We now know how much money went into these tunnels and bunkers, enough to build dozens and dozens of schools, dozens and dozens of hospitals, billions of dollars. And to this while the people of, of Gaza were left destitute. And by the way, you know, Israel invests very heavily in our civil defense. Now, my house has a bomb shelter. We have sirens. We have community bomb shelters. Um, you know, you could have fit the entire population of Gaza into these tunnels, but they didn't let a single civilian into them. Not one. And think about that, how cynical that is, how barbaric, because they want Israel to kill the, the human beings behind whom they use as human shields so that we'll be condemned as war criminals and the world will impose a ceasefire 
which means Gaza wins, which means Hamas wins. It, it is an extraordinary time right now to see how this plays out. I want to ask about one last thing because I do think it's a threat to the sovereignty of Israel. The efforts in the world court to try to prosecute Israel for its war activities, unlike anything I've seen in my time, whether it's South Africa, Slovenia, I think joined today. How does Israel combat that? And what can the United States do to make a difference in these debates, which are not only a distraction, but in many cases, a hijacking of the facts on the ground? Oh, it's, it's absurd. It's perverse. Here, Israel is being charged with genocide on the basis of a charter that was enacted after World War II in the aftermath of the Holocaust, the genocide, to prevent the recurrence of the Holocaust. Right? And we were the victims of an attack by an openly genocidal organization trying to commit genocide. We're defending ourselves against it, and we are accused of genocide. If that, you almost can't make this up. And what Israel has to defend itself, it is in fact already a victory for Hamas, that South Africa, Slovenia, Ireland are uh, joining in this attack. By the way, they never mentioned Hamas, they never mentioned the atrocities, they never mentioned the hostages, nothing. Okay, it didn't happen. It, 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 the whole thing is, is absurd and aberrant and perverse. Um, and what the United States can do is to stand four square behind us. Uh, my my, my, I would say my reservation is that all this talk about Israel killing too many Palestinians has actually contributed to this uh, effort in the International Criminal Court to criminalize us, to deny us not just the right to defend ourselves, but the right to exist. Rather than the United States saying to the world, listen, our ally is facing a brutal enemy hiding behind a civilian op- uh, population. We understand the moral complexity of this, but we are standing four square behind our ally. Instead, the message is Israel's killing too many Palestinians and bombing indiscriminately. You know, that does that help a court case against Israel or uh, protect us against it? Yeah. Never in a million years have thought that a country struck by the most horrific terror attack I can imagine, the most brutal, inhumane treatment I've ever seen of civilians and the response to the world is not, oh, the people who did that are bad, but the people who did that might be victims. And, and you just scratch your head saying, how did we get to this lunacy? And I guess the answer is in the things we've talked about in the past, the education system in so many places in the Western world has hijacked thinking in this, in this world. It's really remarkable. Your parting thoughts, when you look at the dynamic we're in right now, what is the most important thing that the American people need to do right now to support Israel and to create the potential for peace down the road once this war is over? Two things. One thing to understand, this is not a war between Israel and Hamas or even Israel and the Palestinians. It's a war between Western civilization and, and evil. Simple as that. Evil as that. And if we don't win, Western civilization is next. Europe, United States, you're next. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you believe in peace, if you care about peace, the greatest obstacle to peace is Hamas and Islamic extremism. That must be defeated. That is the only way that the Palestinians will be liberated from Hamas and be able to make peace. Because I have witnessed, I've been involved in the peace process for over 13 years now, and I've seen that every time we try to make peace, the Palestinian, Hamas not only kills Israelis, it kills Palestinians. People forget that. And so if you care about peace, uh, support Israel's effort to destroy Hamas. It's an easy proposition. It seems to be so difficult to carry out in a country that's very smart. I mean, America's very smart, but we clearly, 
clearly have been hijacked by some philosophies that have taken some of our common sense away. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to find it again. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. And soon. Thank you so much for your time. Take God bless you. All right. Tally Mutual. Take care. Be well. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. I promise you this next interview, which will stretch for two blocks, will change your life, your experience. Your ears will not stop ringing after you hear what Natalie Sandaji, survivor of the October 7th attacks in Israel, tells you. We're going to have the next half hour, next 25 minutes with her. Stick around. Right after the commercial break, we're going to start that conversation. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't. You'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it is, it's hard to believe that nearly 100 days ago, Hamas executed their planned attack, killing more than 1,200 innocent people. And while October 7th is a day that we are always going to remember, there are so many lives and memories that have been changed forever. The desperate calls for more than 100 hostages to be released and returned home continues as well. The megaphone of advocates demanding action, they only get louder, especially as the days carry on. And on our show, we are very proud to uplift the brave people who are willing to speak out. And tonight is no different as we amplify another incredible voice of this movement, this time that of a young, courageous woman who made a split-second decision to run for her life as Hamas fighters paraglided into the music festival where she was. Natalie 
Sendaji joins us now to tell her story. Natalie, we are so blessed to have you here with us today. I know that every day must kind of feel surreal for what you have been through. Um, I, I want to give you the floor to tell your story, the decision that you made that ultimately ended up saving your life. The man who picked you up in his truck. Tell us all about that. So it all started, um, me and three friends got to the festival around 1 a.m., um, we danced for a few hours. We decided to take a break at around 3, 3.30. We said, we're going to rest. We're going to wake up for the sunrise set of the festival, which is supposed to be the best part. And instead of waking up to the music of the sunrise set, we woke up at around 6.30 to the sound of rockets being intercepted overhead. From that moment, most of the kids thought that this was just another typical situation. Maybe it'll just be a few rockets. It'll stop. The party will continue. But obviously, after a few minutes, we're counting the rockets. It's not five or seven. It's 10, 15, 20. The festival security shuts off the music, asks everyone to please evacuate to their cars. We start driving out. And after a few minutes of driving out, the festival security starts asking everyone to please get out of their cars and start running. At that moment, we couldn't understand why they would ask us to run from rockets. It didn't make much sense, but we figured they know better than we do. We pulled our car over. We're waiting in our car for a few seconds, and that's when we hear the first gunshots. And as soon as we hear those gunshots, we understand that the situation is much more severe than what we originally thought. We opened our doors. We started running. Festival goers were running in every direction. Um, it was chaos. And one of these decisions that ultimately saved our life was the decision to keep running instead of hiding. A lot of kids who tried to hide end up, ended up being found by the Hamas terrorists and shot on the spot. And eventually, after about four hours of running, we were saved um, by someone who is truly my hero, truly an angel, and someone that I had um, the fortune of meeting last time I was in Israel. I was. I went back a few weeks ago and I got to meet the man who saved my life. He risked his own life. He was from the town of Patish, which is the town that we were told to run towards for safety. We still had probably another hour and a half to two hour run until we got there. But he left the safety of his town and he drove towards all this chaos to save innocent lives. And he did so over and over again for hours on that day. And he saved countless lives. Wow. What a, what a hero. And you are, too. Natalie, um, you move between two worlds. You move between New York City and Israel. Somewhere in America, there are going to be students today who are going to chant from the river to the sea. They're going to call Israel apartheid state. They're going to call Hamas freedom fighters when they're terrorists. What do you want those fellow students, your peers in America, who are so ignorant, they don't understand what happened, what do you want them to know? I mean, you've been through the ultimate experience of what hate looks like. Um, what do you want them to know? I want them to understand that we have the same enemy before it's too late. I think as someone who comes from an Iranian background as well, I see that my fellow Iranians that live in Iran that for them it was too late and they were attacked by their government and they were killed almost exactly a year before the October 7th attacks. Right. They understand that we have the same enemy because it was too late for them, because they were attacked prior. And be because of that, because of that unfortunate occurrence, they understand that we have the same enemy. 
Well, let's say a lot of the Iranians that live here in the States that live in their ivory towers that feel safe, they don't seem to understand that we have the same enemy. And the same goes for all of these students, especially here in New York. The rise of anti-Semitism has been insane. And it's not something that I expected to see as someone who grew up in New York, someone who always felt safe as a Jew living in New York. I, I was shocked and appalled by people's reactions to what happened on October 7th. And I want them to start to understand that before it's too late. I want them to understand that we do have the same common en- enemy, the same way Iranians in Iran understand that. Very powerful. Yeah, and Natalie, something that's just inexplicable to me. You know, cities like New York and L.A. love to tout the fact that they uh, are melting pots for culture, and especially in New York. I mean, it, it, it's a hub of Jewry outside of, of Israel, some of the most famous synagogues and rabbis and just a hub of, of beautiful Jewish culture. How did New York go from having the highest population of Jews outside of Israel to being basically the highest concentration of of Jew targeting anti-Semitism and crimes? Well, obviously, the anti-Semitism, it didn't just happen overnight. This isn't something that just suddenly people decided that they're anti-Semitic after October 7th. Mm-hmm. This is something that was boiling under and people just didn't feel comfortable expressing their anti-Semitic thoughts. But then after October 7th, I guess it gave them that comfort and they felt that they can. Also, it's hiding under the mask of anti-Zionism. That's what people like to say, that they're not anti-Semitic, they're anti-Zionist. But as we know, the two go hand in hand. That's a really important point. We got about a minute left before the commercial break. We're going to ask you to stay for another segment if you can. Um, 370% increase in anti-Semitic violent incidents in the United States since October 7th. It's gotten worse in the U.S. since this terrible terror attack. Your thoughts on that number? It makes me, unfortunately, I've said this before, and I remember the first time I said this to a reporter They found it to be such an outrageous statement that after that, almost every single person who interviewed me just wanted to speak about that as opposed to only speaking about October 7th. It makes me feel unsafe as a Jew here in the States. Mm. And like I've said in the past, I felt safer in Israel than I do now in, in the States as a Jew, unfortunately. All right, folks, more with our exclusive interview with Natalie Sandaji, a amazing survivor, as you just heard, of the October 7th attack. She's got a lot more to say, including what she wishes for Gazans and Palestinians. You won't want to miss that answer. I will have that right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. 
I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to pick right up where we left off before the commercial break. Our guest, Natalie Senandaji, she survived Hamas's attack on the Nova Music Festival on October 7th, and she has continued to speak out for the defenseless and those who have lost their voice as a result of that. Natalie, uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. I wanted to ask you about your time. I know a few weeks ago you went back to Israel. You went back to the scene of, of the terror that was inflicted upon you and hundreds, thousands of others there uh, in that area, but specifically that music festival. That music festival ground, I know um, there are pictures there now of of kids who died and, and people who are still missing. What was that like for you going back there? That had to have been absolutely harrowing. It was very emotional. Um, while I was at the festival, I didn't even realize how many people there were there that I knew that are very close mm. to people that I'm close to. One example is one of my friends, his brother was one of the DJs and he unfortunately did not make it out alive and his photo is there. Another friend of mine, her best friend was at the festival and I didn't know that and unfortunately she didn't make it out either and her photo was there. And to just see their photos and to really take it in and understand that they're no longer with us, that they were not as lucky as I was, that they did not make it out. Um, it, it's very hard to take that all in, and but I think it's important. I'm I'm happy that I, I had the opportunity to go and to to be there. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. um, those pictures as we were you were speaking are just so they're so numbing. Um, in the commercial break, you said something profound, and I, I want to see if we could talk about it a little bit because the response to this now is going to define an entire generation of Middle East and perhaps global mm -hmm. history. There's a proxy war still going on. Iran is behind so much of the hate and the violence in the country. You said you don't want hate to be answered with hate. Describe what that means. That's a very profound statement. So for me, that means after October 7th, I, I realized I had a choice. I could either let myself be guided by hate and live my life through hate because of what happened to me, because of the fact that I was attacked, because of the fact that my people, my home were attacked, 
or I can choose to take what happened to me and make something good out of it and try to make a change because hate is not going to cancel out more hate. It's only going to create more hate. You're just adding gas to the fire. And what I want to do is I want to diminish that fire. I want to take it out. I don't want to create more hate. And something that's a little upsetting is that a lot of the time when I'm posting about what's happening, about the war, um, about being against Hamas and the fact that we should come together against Hamas, a lot of people like to try to put words in my mouth and they'll respond to what I'm posting and they'll say, why do you have a problem with Palestinians? Why are you being Islamophobic? And for people to take the fact that I'm anti-terrorist organization and anti-terrorist organization killing innocent people and translating that to having something against innocent Palestinians or being Islamophobic is very upsetting. Um, because it just shows how brainwashed a lot of people are. And I want to try to minimize. I want to try to change that. I want to try to create change. I want to try to build bridges. And I've gotten a great opportunity to do so. I started working with CAM, the Combat Anti-Semitism Movement. And a big part of what they do, a big part of their goal at their organization is building those bridges and building bridges between all different types, all faiths, between Jews and Muslims and Christians. And I've met so many people through them that are so open to communication. And it really gives me a lot of hope um, because online you can see a lot of hate and sometimes it can make you feel really hopeless for the future. But through working with them, I've been able to meet so many people who are so open to a better future. And it, it definitely gives me a lot more hope. Mm-hmm. Mm. Powerful. Natalie, I'm curious your thoughts on our nation's response to this, because the Biden administration seems to be tiptoeing through a minefield. You know, they, they express publicly support for Israel, but behind, behind the scenes and behind closed doors, uh, pressuring Israel to negotiate some type of ceasefire. So it kind of seems like they're talking out of both sides of their mouths uh, or their mouth. What what should our nation be doing to support Israel? <laughs> Well, I can't speak on behalf of what goes on behind closed doors because honestly, I really have no way of knowing what actually is going on behind closed doors. But my own personal opinion is that we can't agree to a ceasefire until all the hostages have returned home because every one of those, those lives matters. And that's that's just my opinion on the matter. It's oh, pretty strong and important opinion. Natalie, um, yep. there'll be a moment where there'll be a post-Hamas Gaza. There's no doubt about it. It's going to happen. And the question is, what does that need to look like? After all you've been through, after all the friends and, and uh, citizens that you are alongside were alongside of that day that lost their lives, what does a post-Hamas uh, Gaza need to look like? Hopefully, I want to post... Hamas Gaza to look the same way I would like Iran to look in the future. I would like for them to have an actual democracy. And that's the only way that their people are going to have potentially a better future. You have to have an actual democracy instead of having a terrorist organization as your government. Outside of that, I how we're going to get there, that's something that needs to be discussed amongst many nations. I think that Many nations need to come together in order for that to actually come to fruition. Um, but but that's the main goal is to have a democracy and to have a better future for their people. Yeah. 
Natalie, we've just got about a minute left. Um, none of us were alive during the Holocaust, but uh, the world globally after that said never again. And there were efforts governmentally, in academia, in media, in Hollywood, in the private sector uh, to ensure that that never happened again. And yet we are still seeing atrocities like this. Where did we go wrong? It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> as someone who was there, I still don't understand how this happened. I still don't understand how we got here. There's so many questions that need to be answered. And I don't think a lot of those questions are going to be answered until the war itself is over, because right now that's the focus right now is trying to eliminate Hamas, is trying to get our hostages back while also trying to make sure that there's as little civilian casualties as possible. And that's really the main focus right now. But there are so many questions that need to be answered in regards to how we got here, because it's it's a very good question. I'm very confused about it myself. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to Michael Oren, the ambassador, and to Natalie Sandaji, a brave, courageous, and inspiring survivor of the October 7th attacks. And of course, seeking on the word of inspiration, intellectual inspiration, that is, my good friend Victor Davis Hansen teaching those courses at Hillsdale College. Why not go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews right now and sign up for a free eight-lecture course called American Citizenship and its decline. It's going to talk about all of the history of citizenship in the West, the threats it faces today in this sort of woke world we're in, globalist world we're in, threats like the erosion of middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of, of an unaccountable administrative state and government, and the rise of globalist organizations. VDH, as I call them, Victor Davis Hanson, takes it all in eight courses, all for free. All you got to do is go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to take advantage of that. Those are my good friends at Hillsdale College. And of course, my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, who has a podcast on this very network, the Justin News Podcast Network. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, God bless you and have a great night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.